Chapter 18 of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume 2. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. The History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume 2, by Eliza Haywood. Chapter 18 is of very small importance, yet contains such things as the reader may expect to hear. While Mr. Trueworth was employing himself in exploring the truth of Miss Betsy's imaginary crime, and hunting other secrets to render her more unworthy of his love, that young lady's head was no less taken up with him, though in a widely different manner. She wanted not a just sense of the merits, both of his person and passion, and though a plurality of lovers the power of flattering the timid with vain hopes, and oying the proudest into submission, seemed to her a greater triumph than to be the wife of the most deserving man on earth. Yet when she consulted her heart, she found and avowed within herself she could part with that triumph with less reluctance in favour of mr trueworth than of any other she yet had seen his absence therefore and the strange neglect he testified in not sending to acquaint her with the cause gave her as much inquietude as a person of her humour could be capable of feeling but whether it proceeded in reality from the first shootings of a growing inclination or from that vanity which made her dread the loss of so accomplished a lover cannot be easily determined but to whichsoever of these causes it was owing i think we may be pretty certain that had he visited her in the situation her mind then was he would have had no reason to complain of his reception she never went abroad without flattering herself with the expectation of hearing on her return home that he had been there or at least that some letter or message from him had been left for her and every disappointment involved her in fresh perplexity in fine if she had considered him with half that just regard while he continued to think her worthy of his affections as she was beginning to do when he was endeavouring to drive all favourable ideas of her from his mind they might both have been as happy as at present they were the contrary she had been with miss mabel and two other ladies of her acquaintance to see that excellent comedy called the careless husband she was very much affected with some scenes in it she imagined she saw herself in the character of Lady Betty Modish, and Mr. Trueworth in that of Lord Morlove, and came home full of the most serious reflections on the folly of indulging an idle vanity at the expense of a man of honour and sincerity. She was no sooner within the doors than the letter above mentioned was put into her hands, as they told her it had been left for her in the beginning of the evening by one of Mr. Trueworth's servants, and she knew both by the superscription and device on the seal that it came from that gentleman she ran hastily upstairs to her chamber in order to examine the contents but what fluttering seized her heart what a universal agitation diffused itself through all her frame on reading even the first lines of this cruel epistle good heavens cried she good heaven cried she going out of town not to return and then having proceeded a little further what added she not see me before he goes sure the man is either mad or i am in a dream surprise and some mixture of a tender remorse were the first emotions of her soul but when she came to that part of the letter which seemed to reflect upon her conduct and the way in which she chose to live her native haughtiness reassumed its former power and turned her all into disdain and rage no retrospect said she on my own behaviour can ever justify the audacious reproaches he treats me with if i have been to blame it is not his province to upbraid me with it as she was entirely ignorant of the base artifice 
which had been put in practice against her and was conscious of no fault mr trueworth had to accuse her of but that of her going with miss forward to the play after the warning he had given her of the danger it must be confessed she had a right to think the provocation too slight to draw from him such resentful expressions much less to induce him to abandon her ungrateful man said she bursting into tears of mingled grief and spite to use me thus when i was just beginning to entertain the kindest thoughts of him when i was ready to acknowledge the error i was guilty of in not following his advice and had resolved never to throw myself into such inconveniences again tis plain he never loved me or he would not have taken so poor so trifling a pretence to break with me thus for some moments did she bewail as it were the ill-treatment she thought she had received from him then looking over the letter again with what a magisterial air cried she with what an affection of superiority does he conclude with the most friendly wishes my humble servant good lack friendly let him carry his friendly wishes to those he may think may receive them as a favour upon revolving in her mind all the circumstances of her behaviour towards mr trueworth she could find nothing except what passed at his last visit that could give him any occasion for disgust and even that she looked upon as a very insufficient plea for that high resentment he now expressed much more for his resolving to throw off a passion he had a thousand and a thousand times vowed should be as lasting as his life the anonymous letter sent her by miss flora some time since now came fresh into her mind that passage in it which insinuated that mr trueworth had no real design of marrying her that he but trifled with her and on the arrival of her brothers would find some pretence or other to break entirely with her seemed now to tally exactly with his present manner of proceeding the devil said she may sometimes speak truth mr trueworth has but too well verified the words of that malicious girl and what she herself then thought a falsehood is now confirmed by fact yet wherefore cried she again did he take all this pains if he never loved me never hoped any recompense for his dissimulation what end could he propose by practising it what advantage what pleasure could it give him to affront the sister of his friend and impose upon the credulity of a woman he had no design upon it would be endless to repeat the many contradictory surmises which rose alternately in her distracted mind so i shall only say she sought but the more she did so the more she became incapable of fathoming the bottom of this mysterious event the butler was laying the cloth in the parlour for supper when she came home mr goodman had waited for her some time thinking she might be undressing and now sent to desire she would come down but she begged to be excused said she could not eat and then called for nanny who was the maid that usually attended her in her chamber to come up and put her to bed this prating wench who would always know the whole secrets of everybody in the family whether they thought fit to entrust her with them or not used frequently to divert miss betsy with her idle stories but it was not now in her power that young lady had no attention for anything but the object of her present meditations which the other not happening to hit upon was answered only with peevishness and ill-humour but as every little circumstance if any way adapted to the passion we at that time are possessed of touches upon the jarring string and seems a missioner from fate an accident the most trifling that can be imagined served to renew in miss betsy the next morning those anxieties 
which sleep had in some measure abated a ballad finger happening to be in the street the first thing she heard on her waking was these words sung in a sonorous voice just under her window young philanderer wooed me long i was peevish and forbade him i would not hear his charming song but now i wish i wish i had him though this was a song at that time much in vogue and miss betsy had casually heard it a hundred times yet in the humour she now was it beat an alarm upon her heart it reminded her how inconsiderate she had been and showed the folly of not knowing how to place a just value on anything till it was lost in such strong colours before her eyes as one would scarce think it possible an incident in itself so merely bagatelle could have produced again she fell into very deep reveries and diverting herself of all passion pride and the prejudice her vanity had but too much inspired her with she found that though mr trueworth had carried his resentment further than became a man who loved to that degree as he pretended to have done so yet she could no way justify herself to her brother frank lady trusty or any of those friends who had espoused his course for having given him the provocation to heighten the splenetic humour she was in mr goodman who having been taken up with his own affairs had not mentioned mr trueworth to her for some days happened this morning as they sat at breakfast to ask her how the courtship of the gentleman went on and whether there was like to be a wedding or not perceiving she blushed hung down her head and made no answer nay nay said he i told you long ago i would not interfere in these matters and have less reason now than ever to do so as your eldest brother is in town and who is doubtless capable of advising you for the best miss betsy was in a good deal of confusion she knew not as yet whether it would be proper for her to acquaint mr goodman with what had passed between mr trueworth and herself or to be silent on that head till she should see what a little time might bring about as she was thinking in what manner she should reply mr goodman's lawyer luckily for her relief came in and put an end to a discourse which in the present situation of her mind she was very unfit to bear a part in but as if this was to be a day of continued admonitions to miss betsy she was no sooner dressed and ready to quit her chamber than she heard miss mabel's voice upon the stairs as that young lady was not accustomed to make her any morning visits she was a little surprised she ran however to meet her saying this is a favour i did not expect and therefore have the more cause to thank you i do not know replied the other as she entered the room whether you will think i deserve thanks or not when you hear the business that brought me for i assure you i am come only to chide you i think said miss betsy with a sigh that all the world takes the liberty of doing so with me but pray my dear continued she how am i so unhappy as to deserve it from you why you must know replied miss mabel that i have taken upon me to be the champion of distressed's love you have broken a fine gentleman's heart and i am come to tell you that you must either make it whole again as it was before he saw you or repair the damage he has sustained by giving him your own i plead not guilty said miss betsy in a tone somewhat more sprightly than before but pray who has gained so great an influence over you as to send you on so doughty an errand no my dear you are quite mistaken in the matter replied the other i assure you i am not sent i am only led by my own generosity and the fight of poor mr trueworth's despair trueworth cried miss betsy hastily what do you mean i mean replied the other to engage you if the little rhetoric i am mistress of can prevail on you to consider 
that while we use a man of sense and honour ill we do ourselves a real injury the love our beauty has inspired may for a time secure our power but it will grow weaker by degrees and every little coquette air we give ourselves lessen the value of our charms i know there is at present some very great brulee between you and mr trueworth he is a match every way deserving of you he has the approbation of all your friends and i have heard you acknowledge you are not insensible of his merit to what end then do you study to perplex and give unnecessary pain to a heart which you according to all appearances will one day take a pride in rendering happy this is an extreme fine harangue indeed replied miss betsy but i would fain know for what reason it is directed to me if mr trueworth imagines i have used him ill i think it no proof of his understanding to make a proclamation of it but for heaven's sake how come you to be the confidant of his complaints indeed i have not that honour said miss mabel finding myself a little ill this morning i thought the air would do me good so went into the park taking only a little girl with me who lives at the next door because i would not go quite alone being in the deshabille you see i crossed the grass and was passing towards the back of the bird-cage walk where who should i see among the trees but mr trueworth if i may call the object that then presented itself to me by that name for indeed miss betsy the poor gentleman seems no more than the shadow of himself he saw me at a distance and i believe would have avoided me but perceiving my eyes were upon him cleared up his countenance as well as he was able and accosted me with the usual salutations of the morning it is somewhat surprising madam said he with an air of as much gallantry as he could assume to find a lady so justly entitled to the admiration of the world as miss mabel is shun the gay company of the marl and choose an unfrequented walk like this i might be taught the same exclamation of surprise replied i at so unexpectedly meeting with mr trueworth here after this as you know my dear continued she i have lately on your account had the pleasure pretty often of mr trueworth's company i took the liberty to ask him where he had buried himself but i had not seen him for so many days to which he answered not without a confusion which i saw he attempted though in vain to conceal from me yes madam i have indeed been buried from all pleasure have been swallowed up in affairs little less tormenting than those of the grave but added he they are now over and i am preparing to return to my country seat where i hope to re-enjoy that tranquillity which since my leaving it has been pretty much disturbed nothing could equal my astonishment at hearing him speak in this manner to your country seat cried i not to continue there for any long time i know not as yet madam replied he and then after a pause perhaps for ever added he bless me said i this is strange indeed miss betsy did not tell me a word of it and i saw her but last night she might not then know it madam answered he but if she had i am not vain enough to imagine she would think a trifle such as my departure worth the pains of mentioning i then pursued miss mabel endeavoured to rally him out of this humour after having told him i had a better opinion of your understanding and generosity and to be capable of believing you thought so lightly of his friendship and affection i added that this was only some little pique between you some jealous whim but he replied to all i said on this subject with a very grave air pretended business and took his leave somewhat abruptly for a man of that politeness i had till now always observed in him he carries it with a high hand indeed cried miss betsy but it is no matter i shall give myself no trouble whether he stays in town or whether he goes into the country or whether i ever see him more what does the man think to triumph over me 
i do not believe that this is the case with mr trueworth said the discreet miss mabel but i know it is the way of many men to recriminate in this manner and pray when they do who can we blame for it but ourselves in giving them the occasion for my part i should think it an affront to myself to encourage the addresses of a person i did not look upon worthy of being treated with respect she urged many arguments to convince miss betsy of the vanity and ill consequences of trifling with an honourable and sincere passion which though no more than what that young lady had already made use of to herself and was fully persuaded in the truth of she was not very well pleased to hear from the mouth of another though these two ladies perfectly agreed in their sentiments of virtue and reputation yet their dispositions and behaviour in the affairs of love were as widely different as any two persons possibly could be and this it was which during the course of their acquaintance gave frequent interruptions to that harmony between them which the mutual esteem they had for each other's good qualities would otherwise have rendered perpetual End of chapter eighteen